Oh my goodness. Well, happy Father's Month, everybody. It is good to be with you and on this month where we celebrate dads and their incredible jokes. And I have been told that at all of our campuses, uh, we have kind of introduced this moment with dad jokes, and so there's really no need uh, for me to tell you any dad jokes. But that has not ever stopped me before. And so let me say to you that I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. Thank you, thank you. 6.30 is the best time on the clock, hands down. Thank you. I probably shouldn't do any more unless you're applauding for these, is what I feel like. Okay, all right. All right, well, okay. I don't really like Russian nesting dolls. They're so full of themselves. And one more, one more. I just found out I'm colorblind. The news came completely out of the purple. And so there we go. All right. Thank you. You're too good. Don't encourage me. Don't encourage me. I'll do some more, okay? Hey, um, it is Dad's Day, and uh, there's a dad that we have not seen around here in a while, and his name is Albert Tate. And I, yes, give it up for Albert Tate on our teaching team. If you're brand new, Albert's on our teaching team, and he has been working on a book the last couple of months, and so that is why you have not seen him around here, and I just wanted to let you know what was going on in case you were wondering. Uh, Albert is going to be here with us, I believe, next month. He is on the schedule, so be praying for Albert with his new book, and be praying for him as he prepares to come and join us next month. Also, I spoke with Megan Marshman, who is also on our teaching team, and yes, give it up for Megan. And I just wanted, she wanted me to communicate to you how much she appreciates your prayers, how much she appreciates the the love that you have shown her. She loves this place. And this week she told me that she wants to be back this fall. So I think we can celebrate that. Please continue to be praying for her and her family. All right. Um, Let's pray as we get started today. At all of our campuses, just join me in prayer. Lord. Father, we come, uh, as Mario said, from all different backgrounds, as all, all different situations as relates to uh, our experience with fathers. God, we come from all different backgrounds when it comes to our experience uh, with you. Some of us, Father, we come here today and we're ready to celebrate. We just got a promotion or... Um, things have been going super well in our lives. We just met that special someone or whatever. And God, we're so grateful. And we can sing these songs with great joy. But Lord, some of us also come uh, with heavy hearts. Some of us come, Father, with loss. Some of us, Father, come with confusion. And to celebrate you today is a difficult thing. We are experiencing obstacles in our journey with you. And so, Lord, would you speak to us wherever we are in our journey with you? God, would you bring us together and bind us together today so that we could be one family, we could sing and praise you with one voice, that our hearts could be mended together, Lord, um, as you intended the church to be. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, 
I, I think I've shared with you before, I went to Wheaton College, so uh, I've been around these parts before, and I went rappelling one time. It was with a youth group. It was with a, a, a college ministry. My wife and I uh, had never been rappelling before, and uh, we showed up at this, uh, at this retreat, and they took us up to the Wisconsin Dells, and we got all set up to go rappelling. That was the purpose of the trip. We signed up to go rappelling. That was the purpose of the trip. When we get up to the top of the cliff, I don't know if you've ever been rappelling before, but there is just this moment where you've got the harnesses on and the rope is all set and you've received all the instructions and you're just sort of backing up to this thing and you just kind of bend at the knees and, and you at some point you lean back and you have to put all your faith and all your trust in that rope there's this moment of like no return where you can't stand back up you've got to really just sort of take a leap of faith and trust that rope and there were people on that day that they heard the instructions they got all suited up they went to the edge and they just just leaned back and went for it and it was awesome and then there was me who I was so enthusiastic, I put on the harness, I I've, you know, fancy myself as a risk taker, but when you get to the edge like that, I just found myself asking a lot of questions. It was like, you know, hey, hey, what is this rope weighted for? What are, you know, like rated for? What weight? And, and how, how new are these carabiners in this harness? How new is this stuff? And, and this guy that was leading us, tell me, what, what kind of certification do you have when it comes to leading people into doing this. And I, I just got back there and it just took me a while. It took people kind of saying, come on, you can do it, go for it. And then at some point, I did. I did, I put my trust in that rope. And I fell back and I rappelled down the mountain. But you know what? You can kind of laugh at me, but there were some people who put on the harness, who edged back to the cliff and they got there and they started... And they went, oh, no, I don't think I can do it. And I thought about the fact that the whole purpose of the trip was to go rappelling. Like that was the call on that trip was that at some point we were going to put our trust in this rope and we were going to enjoy the risk and enjoy the ride of rappelling. That was the purpose of the whole thing. And some people missed out on it completely. And I share that with you today because we have been in this series called Courage Calling. And we've been exploring the idea that God has for each and every one of us a purpose, a calling, some significant way that he wants our lives to impact the world around us. And we've been, we've been talking about how do you hear that. We've been talking about what do you do when you start taking steps forward. And what do you do when you feel like you're in that sort of land in between. That's what we talked about last week. And how do you navigate that. And this week what I want to talk to you about is what do you do when you come up against that first obstacle. Where God has called you into this thing. You, you have taken the risk. You, you, you have signed up for the journey that God has for you. You've said yes. But then there's this big moment where you're not quite sure if you can put your full trust in God. Just this week, someone who is just 
on fire for Jesus, following him with everything they have. A friend of mine that gets diagnosed with an illness that she's going to have to deal with the rest of her life. Somebody that I know just this week said, hey, would you pray for me? Because my spouse has now informed me that they're not in love with me anymore and they're walking out. And this is a person that, I mean, they come to church and they're praying and they're following God and they're serving God. And yet now they've got this obstacle, this moment in their life. And if, if you've ever tried to follow God, you know at some point we all encounter that moment. In fact, for some of us, getting out of bed in the morning is almost like jumping off the cliff. Like you, you can almost look at the edge of your bed. Think about this tomorrow. When you wake up and just about the time you get out of bed, just imagine that this edge of the bed is like the cliff where you say, God, as I come out, this is not just getting out of bed for me, God. This is me putting my full trust in you. No matter what that means, no matter the obstacle that I'm facing, God, I I'm not trusting me anymore. I put my full trust in you. That's what Joshua had to do when he came upon the first city that God was calling him to overtake in the promised land. Now understand, he'd already received the call. God had already shown him the promise. God had already told him what his purpose was. But now he actually had to walk it out. In his life. And he comes up upon this city named Jericho. And the thing you got to know about Jericho is that it's got an incredible wall. Now, the truth is, it actually doesn't have one wall, it has two walls. It's 24 feet high, it's about 12 feet wide at the base, and it's got two walls. So if you get up through, you know, if you're conquering the city and you get through the first wall, you've got this whole second wall to deal with. It's an incredible obstacle. And so, what I thought we would do is we just look over. Joshua's shoulder, watch his interactions with God, and see if we can't learn something about how to have a faith or how to have courage to overcome the obstacles in our journey with God. If you're taking notes, let's make it real clear. The first point I, I have for you is this. Courage to overcome obstacles requires vision. Requires vision. Uh, it says, then the Lord said to Joshua, see. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. And you read that and you go, well, okay, but not really. Like, not at this point, God. I mean, for that to be true, we'd have to be on the other side of the wall. <laughs> and yet you're calling me to see the obstacle taken care of. You're, you're calling me to envision the victory. Even now, as I face the obstacle, God, you're asking me to believe, to trust, to see it happening. And, and I came across the scripture and I thought, oh my goodness, I know where Joshua learned vision. It's from his mentor, Moses. If you look in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says, it was by faith that Moses left Egypt and was not afraid of the king's anger. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. Isn't that good? Like, I want that on my tombstone. He held to his purpose like a man who could see the invisible. That's what I want to be, right? Somebody that's got vision, somebody that, 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 that can envision the victory. 
Part of overcoming obstacles is, and this courageous calling is you've got to have vision. And not just the vision for the victory, but vision for the victory of overcoming all the little obstacles along the way as well. You've probably heard the name Michael Phelps. He's the most amazing Olympian ever in my book. He had 28 medals, 23 gold medals before he retired in 2016. And he's famous for how incredible uh, his training regiment was. That he would train his body in just uh, amazing ways. He's in the pool all the time. But not just training his body. He was famous for the way he trained his mind. Phelps would talk about how before every race he would envision every step along the way. He would envision every stroke. He would envision every turn at the pool, every entry. He would envision every step along the way. And, now watch this because this is what I want to tell you. And in addition to every stroke, he would envision any contingency plan or any obstacle or anything that could go wrong, he would try to imagine that happening and then what he would do about it. So he would envision, okay, if I enter the, 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 the pool wrong and, and I, I get off track, what would I do to correct that? Or if I make a bad turn, what would I do to correct that? Or what if my goggles begin to fail, they begin to leak at some point, how would I correct that? And for certain, that's exactly what happened. So when his goggles actually did leak during the 200 butterfly final at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, he doesn't panic. Instead, he says, I knew what to do because I'd envisioned it happening. And of course, he goes on to win his fourth gold medal and set a world record with water in his goggles because he'd envisioned every step along the way, even the obstacles. Do you remember when Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Guys, where is God calling you to have more vision? Where is God calling you to say, no, 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 that's not impossible or uh, just because it's hard? You need to envision overcoming that obstacle. Where is God calling you to not settle for the status quo? Yes, it was hard, but don't settle for, for there. Go for it. Don't play it safe. I've got a sign in my office that says a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what a ship is built for. My prayer for us today is that we would adopt a grander vision. Even if you're facing incredible obstacles today in the calling that God has on your life. I want to see myself overcoming those things. Number two, courage to overcome obstacles requires obeying God when I don't understand. Now, last week we talked about taking step one, obeying God in step number one, even if he hasn't shown you step number two. Remember Siri versus the Rand McNally maps, right? But this is different. This is God tells you what to do, and when he tells you, you go, what? 
Like that doesn't, what? His instructions don't seem to make sense to you. It doesn't seem to line up. I, I don't see how what you're telling me to do actually results in what we're shooting for here, God. I don't see how it adds up. Look at what God tells Joshua about taking over Jericho. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns around the front of the ark, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. When the priests blow, with the priests blowing the trumpets, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and all the people will go up every man straight in. And if I'm Joshua, I'm going, what? Are you, are you sure about that? Like Joshua's seen a, 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 you know, a lot of battles. I, I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever had marching band as part of the, the battle plan, you know? I don't think trumpets was like the greatest weapon that he thought of. This is very formidable wall, and God is saying, just march around, just shout, just blow trumpets. That's our plan. It doesn't make sense. But sometimes along the way of a grand call, of an incredible purpose, of a way that God wants to use you in a significant way, God calls you to do things that just, man, at least to most people, just don't make any sense. There was, there was one time years ago that God called this church to, to start a church. Think about it. Some people got together to start a church for people who don't like church. Did that make any sense? Start a church for people who don't like going to church. Let's do something different. At some point, it made sense, <laughs> but it didn't then. At some point, God said, hey, I want you to put a church in a movie theater. What? At some point, God said, hey, I want you to go and buy 150-some-odd acres on the corner of Barrington and Algonquin Road. At some point, God said, hey, I want you to, I want you to start something that's going to get broadcast, the, the GLN. I want, you to, I want you to broadcast something all over the world. And I guarantee you're looking back on it right now and you go, well, of course, yeah, of course, that's part of our story. But back then, somebody had that idea and somebody else at the table went, what? How do we even? Somebody came and said, hey, you don't just have to have one church with one place. You can have a church and we could launch like six, seven other places of doing church, other campuses. And at some point, somebody said, well, that just doesn't make any sense. But sometimes what God instructs you to do doesn't make sense all at once. Do you know Jesus gave us some instructions that at first when you hear them, they don't make any sense. Jesus would say, when people hurt you and betray you, pray for them and forgive them. What? That goes against my natural instinct. Like, I... I want retaliation and revenge. And Jesus would say, I know it doesn't make sense to you, but that's what I need you to do. If you want to live abundant lives, then cultivate generosity. What? Well, if I want to build abundance, then I'm not giving stuff away. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus says, yeah, not to you, but this is what I'm calling you to do. If you want to save your life, then lose it. That's what Jesus would say. If you want, you want to be great in the kingdom, then be the greatest servant 
in the kingdom. And we would say, well, that's so countercultural. That doesn't make sense. It's not what the popular opinion is. And Jesus says, I understand. It doesn't make any sense to you. Now do it. Obey me even when it doesn't make sense. And there are some of us who are facing obstacles right now, and God is telling you to do something. He's asking you to move forward in a way that you go, well, I, I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. And we just need to follow him. If I'm going to overcome obstacles getting after God's calling, it's going to require vision. It's going to require us obeying when I don't understand. And number three, it's going to require faith in God. Faith in God. Joshua 6, 16 says, Shout for the Lord has giving, given you the city. The Lord has given you the city. But if you read that passage back over again, there was also the number seven that just kept popping up. They were to march seven days. On the seventh day, they were, march, they were to march around seven times. After they marched around seven times, there were seven priests that were to take seven horns and blow those horns. Now, if you don't know ancient Israel, Israeli culture, you might not know how important numerology or numbers are to them. Numbers meant certain things. If you look in the Old Testament, every time it talks about 40 days and 40 nights, 40 was like, was like saying a long time. So it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was up on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. When 40 comes around, you just need to hear a long time. Uh, the number six, Satan's number. It's this idea of it's not quite complete because seven was God's number. Ten was the number of testing. That's why there were ten commandments. That's why uh, when God first started teaching us about giving and money and stewardship, he said, I want you to give 10% to your local church. And that wasn't because God did some math and went, okay, here's what it's going to cost to run the church on that year with the number of people and the average income of that, it's going to be 10%. That's not what it was. It was just this number of testing. There were 10 commandments. It was, it was a testing. And seven was God's number. It was as if God was saying this whole time, as you do this, I'm going to give you such... Such crazy instructions that, that you, you and all the people, everybody will know this is not because of your talent, your resources, your wisdom, your effort. This is just because of me, God would say. You want to overcome obstacles. Ultimately, God may ask your intellect to be involved. He may ask your, your, your money to be involved. He may ask your talent to be involved. But ultimately, if we're going to be overcoming obstacles in God's courageous calling on our life, it is going to be because of the greatness and the goodness of God. So go ahead and trust him. And don't stress so much by putting the burden on you. I remember one of the times I learned this lesson. There was a girl in our student ministry when I was in high school. And when it was time to go around and share kind of the, the prayer requests or the praises, you know, things we were thankful for, she told us that she was thankful for their Thanksgiving meal. And I went, well, that makes sense. I mean, it's literally the Thanksgiving meal. Of course, you're thankful for it. But then she went on to say, it was very interesting. We didn't have any money in our house for any, 
you know, big meal at Thanksgiving, but her mother, an incredible woman of faith, told the kids to set the table anyway. They set the table and they sat down at the table as a family and the mother led the kids to pray, thanking God for the meal that they were about to receive and no lie, she said, and that's when the door had a knock at it and my aunt came with a turkey and the stuffing and the corn and everything. She, she was thanking God in advance for this thing. That's what the people that Josh, that's what Joshua was being instructed to do. Shout, for the Lord has already given you the city. You know, praise is when we thank God after it happens. But faith is when we thank God in advance. It's when we thank God before it happens. Do you believe that God is working behind the scenes in your life? Do you believe, Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose? Can you courageously say the answer is on the way? Even if I don't see it, I know that it's happening. I can praise God because my faith is in him and it's not in me or my abilities. Number three, courage to overcome obstacles requires faith in God. And then number four and finally, Courage to overcome obstacles requires persevering when I would just rather give up. Faith to overcome the obstacles requires persevering when I would probably just rather give up. I, I must be new to the world here because I didn't know David Goggins for a long time. People have told me, oh yeah, he's been around for a while and been talking and motivating people and that sort of thing, but I just got introduced to this guy. David Goggins is a former Navy SEAL. He turned into an ultra marathoner. He ran 101 miles in a day with stress fractures in, his, in the bones of his feet, and he's considered by many to be the toughest guy on the planet. And he talks about this thing called the 40% rule. That our brain is wired to sense when we are tired, to sense when we have, uh, are exhausted, to sense when we are, are stressed. And our brain will sort of be a governor to protect our bodies from damage. Our brains will say, hey, you're, you're too tired, you're at the end, you, you, you need to stop running, you need to stop you know, lifting or whatever it is. Your brain will kind of stop you from doing that. And what David Goggins says is he believes that when your brain kicks in to do that, you're at about 40% of your capacity. With his experience, he says, no, 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 you've got 60% left in you, therefore keep going. Don't stop. Persevere. Remember these Israelites, they had been walking in circles for 40 years. They've been walking in circles in the wilderness for 40 years. And now when they reach their first obstacle, God says, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to walk around. Just keep hiking. Just keep walking. Every day for six days. And then on the third day, they would have been walking for about three hours carrying the ark, some of them. Probably at some point say, you know what? I'm just about ready to quit, but don't ever quit. Because you never know what God will do through your persevering. It's a little poem that I like. It's got a little fun punchline at the end. Follow along. It says, two frogs fell into a can of cream. Or so I've heard it told. 
The sides of the can were shiny and steep. The cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croaked number one. Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while at least, he said, or so I've heard it, he said. He really wouldn't, it really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter, but kicked and kicked and swam and kicked. And then he hopped out via butter. Have you all heard that before? Isn't that great? Like one guy just gives up. The other guy says, you know what? I'm going to go because you never know in the midst of your one more day or one more mile or showing up one more time at the office or coming to church one more time or one more prayer or one more time of obedience. You never know how God is going to use that in a way to create a way to create some path forward to do something in your life that you never expected before. And that's what God can do. Some of you are at the quitting point right now. Honestly, some of you are here right now and you say, honestly, when it comes to my marriage, I'm just about to quit. Some of you are looking at this debt mountain that you have created over time and you're saying, I've been trying and I've been trying and I just can't get ahead and I'm just about to quit. Some of you would say, I am, I am walking this fitness, this fitness journey, and it's just not, and I'm just about to quit. Some of you are just about to quit, and I believe God has brought you here to see this verse. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up y'all hang in there to overcome obstacles we need vision we need obedience we need to place our faith in God and we need to persevere that repelling trip I went on um, there was a girl named Christine and Christine was so excited about repelling I mean she was on the bus up there was oh this is going to be so great and and she would talk about how she was an outdoors person and you know she she loved the whole idea and she got up there and you know as soon as we got all tied up and and everything set she was cheering everybody on and she couldn't wait her turn or whatever and she got down there and she looked and the first time she looked over that cliff she said whoa hold on and she took a break and then people encouraged her, are you going to try it? Come on, come on, come on. You, you going to try it? And she goes, okay, I'll try it. And she gets all harnessed up again, which is no small task. And she gets to the edge and she goes, oh, I just, I don't know. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. Ooh, just give me a minute. At one point, the instructor actually spent some time over with her. They, they tied up to a tree. He was like showing her how strong everything was. She was give, giving her extra attention, extra encouragement. And then it happened. She suited up. It's near the end of the day. It's kind of the last opportunity. And, and she comes down and she gets so close and she stops and she says, 
oh, you know what? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. She went home that night and slept, and in the next morning, it rained and rained and rained. And Christine never got the opportunity, at least on that trip, to take that leap of faith. And some of you have been coming to church again and again and again, and you're excited. You watch other people take their steps forward. You watch other people accept the call on their life. You hear stories and you you get so excited. And for some of you, you've come to the edge many, many times. There are times where you go, man, I I do want to put my trust in Jesus, but I just, ooh, it sounds, but, but I just can't. And you say, oh, I'll just do it next week. Or I'll just do it tomorrow. And I just want to encourage you as we close today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And I love that verse. I don't know why you would wait. If you've not yet said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today. You know, he went and allowed himself to die on a cross for you. For your sins. And then because he was fully God and fully man, his death counted, his resurrection then counted for him to be able to extend a hand of invitation to you and to say, if you'll come and put your faith in me and come and follow me, then your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever. That is an amazing invitation. And if today is your day, that I would encourage you, after this service, come find one of the pastors, come find somebody you came with. How do I make that decision? And just have them walk you through putting your faith in Jesus. Maybe for you, your next step is something different. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you're right up against an obstacle. And for you, it's just obeying God in some area of your life that you've not yet said yes. Or maybe for you, it's, to understand the principle that courage grows faster when you march with an army. And to understand that maybe for you, your next step with God is, is to get in a group, a small group. Or maybe for you, your next step with God is to, is to come back to church. Can I say that? If you're watching online at home, can I just say that I think courage grows faster when you march with an army. And I think culture is showing us that it's getting safer and safer. And I just, I just want to sort of pastorally and gently say, if you've gotten in the habit of watching on your couch and saying, you know what, I'll get there next week or I'll get there then or that's what, I just want to encourage you to come on back. Yeah. In some ways, and and this could be controversial, so, you know, individually, case by case, but I was thinking about this. I feel like in some cases, because of the mental health uh, spikes, the mental illness spikes that we've had, the depression, and the, in some ways, it could be safer to come here than it would be to stay at home. So... Just pray about that and encourage you to to come back. 
And maybe for some of you, your next step is to invite a friend. Maybe for some of you, your next step is to get on the team. I will tell you, over this summer, we are really aiming at sort of a September 12th re-grand opening of this church. Post-pandemic re-grand opening of the church. And we need you. We need you to sign up for teams around here, volunteers, serve around here so that we can be ready for September 12th. And you're going to hear more and more about that over the entire summer to all of our campuses. But I would just encourage you right now to just go out and start experimenting, signing up, figure out what team you might get on. Hey, whatever your next step is, can I encourage you to take it, take it boldly and as a family.